Welcome to episode 26 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl. Today my guest is Vinny Blonde from the Daily Gallup, and we talk about races from the great card at Tampa Bay Downs this past weekend. The main angle in all of the races we covered today was how to beat overbet favorites. This is Redboard Rewind. It's the same old And now I'd like to welcome in one of my best friends from the racing business, Vinny Blonde of the Daily Gout. Vinny, how are you doing today? I'm good today, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Obviously, me and you both know, but the people don't. This podcast should have been done last night. Unfortunately, my recording software crashed, and we lost the whole 35-minute thing. So I really appreciate you taking your second night out to uh, get this done with me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So I know you pretty well, but certain people who haven't, don't know you through, you know, listening through Pete's stuff, would like to get to know you. What got you into racing? What kind of was your beginning? Uh, just, I grew up about 10, 15 minutes away from uh, Saratoga, and my dad and my uncles have always were always into it. So I grew up handicapping Saratoga from a young age, probably like eight, eight is when I started. And yeah, this is, this is where it's led. For you, obviously the, you know, you start off just looking at, you know, numbers, you know, saddlecloth colors. What's your process now, now that you've become more of a well-defined handicapper? I start with, I look at class. I look at, I look at the speed figures, but I don't really care about the number. I look more towards the pattern. And that's how I kind of start my, start my process is class and speed figure. Now I know with your speed figures, you're more of a person who looks at patterns, not so much as who has the highest buyer last time out. Right. So I like to see, like, I like to see like an upwards trend. I'm, I'm not afraid to take a horse that his buyer might be 20 points lower than a few of the others. But if he's, if he looks like he's trending in the right direction, I'm not afraid to take a swing with him. What would you say is one of your weakest parts to your game right now? Something you want to improve on? Uh, probably paying attention more to higher speed figures. I have been burned before. Just the like, X horses run consistent 95 buyers, and I try to beat them with a horse that has been running low 80s, hoping that that horse can improve. When in reality, the horse with the 90s is just faster. So I get burned. I get burned on chalk. And usually that, that horse will be an underlay, like three to five. And you're like, well, I should try and beat it no matter what because it's the underlay. Right. And those are the horses that usually end up kicking me out of uh, like pick fours and pick fives. What do you say we get started with the first race? We're doing three races from Tampa today. The first race was race three, seven furlongs. It's an 8,000, not warriors of two lifetime claimer. The buyer par is 57. Where'd you go in here, Vinny? So this is one of those races where I thought the favorite actually was very tough, uh, Sultry Samurai. He ran a 77 last time out, won pretty easily at a maiden 10. He was dropping down to 8,000 tag. I just thought for this one for Navarro, it looked very tough to beat on paper. For me, when I was looking through, I kind of wanted to try and beat this horse because obviously, first off, the claim Navarro runs a... St- very, very large buyer figure of 77. The buyer par is only 57, so why is he dropping him in this weird spot? 
for me, when I looked at it, I started looking at getting into mischief. Horses one for 13, broke the maiden at the maiden 20. But when they got the switch over to Rivera, seemed to be improving and had the two numbers, the 57 and 59, that were above the buyer par. But when you look at it, third by four and four by two and three quarters isn't really the sexiest finishing position you'll see. So I think this horse really kind of gotten forgotten on the board. I agree with that. Uh, he was actually my, he was one of my underneath plays actually in this race. Just, I just didn't think he was fast enough and I thought he would need help to beat the, uh, to beat Sultry Samurai here. The horse I ended up going on was the number six foot in the door, improving buyers 44 to a 61. Mike Dini is one of my favorite underrated trainers, especially from how, what he does at Saratoga. Ferrer isn't on. Now we go to only an 8% jockey. So that was a little bit concerning to me. But the horse had been three for three in the money at Tampa, and the price was definitely going to be right. Yeah, pretty much anywhere he went besides the three, uh, the price was going to be right for you. I actually landed on the seven uh, uh, expectations. I just thought this was an improving horse, so I took a shot with him. Were you a little bit worried about the connections being 0 for 16 and 1 for 25 for last year? Uh, not so much, especially at these lower levels. I like those numbers usually don't sway me for sway me when I'm I'm doing my doing my handicapping. Uh, they probably should, but especially for the price, I realized like he was eight to one morning line. I realized I was probably going to get around uh, like a little above ten. So I figured for the price, he was worth it was worth a shot. With the lower level claiming races, do you look at them differently than say an allowance or a stake race? Like, what is your like kind of go to angle if you had to pick one for the lower level claiming races? I would say for the lower level claiming races, I definitely take more swings. Um, I and especially in a lower in these lower level races, I usually do not like to take take chalk, especially especially a horse at like three to five or two to five. I usually look for prices here because I feel like in these races more so than in the stakes and allowance races, they don't run the form. So you'll get a horse that randomly freaks and runs like if the buyer par, like for instance, is a 50, you'll randomly get a horse that runs a 60 and just runs the rest off the screen. So I usually just try to, I try to take prices in, in these type of spots. Now, I know that you'd only wagered on a couple of the races on this card. Was this one of the races you wagered on, or were you just kind of sitting back and watching how the day was going to progress? I was sitting back at this point, watching how the day was going to progress. Uh, I I liked a few horses later on in the card, so and especially since my my really I thought the three was going was probably going to win this race, so I just held on to my money here. Let's see if Jorge Navarro's Salty Samurai one to five gets it done in this low level claiming race and uh, they're off from the outside getting into mischief is away alertly along the rail there goes johnny the tire man now moving up to challenge foot in the door is away with a top flight and fa fa fooey is the last horse away as they link up with the main track and now one-way ticket along the rail strikes to the lead three parts of link getting into mischief on the outside second Three lengths farther back, they're four across the track. Spenos is along the rail and now takes over third from between horses. Johnny the Tire Man is there fourth, being passed by foot in the door, racing along fifth. Way out on the outside, that's Temple Mount now sixth. Then it's a length and a half farther back. Anticipation is now seventh. Then we go back to the two to five favorite, Sultry Samurai. He is suddenly dropped back and trails the field and is being passed by Fa Fa Fui on the outside. A compact field midway in the turn, getting into mischief. Has the lead now, three parts of a length. 
toward the inside. Temple Mount is now giving way. There goes Fa Fa Fui continuing his rally on the outside. And there's the favorite, Sultry Samurai. And now Ferrer sets him down for the drive. But he has a lot of work to do and an eighth of a mile to do it in as getting into mischief is still the leader. Up on the outside, Temple Mount runs at the leader now. Second and toward the rail is footing in the door third. But getting into mischief will score on the wear by two and a half. Foot in the door was second, Temple Mount third. And getting into mischief gets it done, paying 30-60 with a 63 buyer. Vinny, what's your take? Bad favorite there. Sultry Samurai just never really seemed to get going. And that happens in these seven furlong races where uh, you have a sprinter and kind of just hit a wall at a certain uh, right after six. They hit a wall and Sultry Samurai just never really, he never really got going. I think he finished fourth, but he definitely not a good bet at one to five. Now, Jorge Navarro is obviously three for five with one second. Do you think that people also see like the short statistical side of it? No, I know. See, they see that he's 28% of on last year. And they're like, okay, this guy's a good trainer. I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, I think especially with this one, it was a $300,000 purchase. Navarro was three for uh, three for five going into this race at Tampa, this meet. Uh, the horse was coming off a win, win here at uh, only going five and a half furlongs, but still a win over the track. Had the fastest uh, last out buyer in the field. I, I see why people... This probably wasn't a single for most people, and I see why on paper. The horse expectation, what were your thoughts with him coming out of the race? Didn't really finish on the board at all. No, he uh, he ran pretty much what his form in the, on the paper said he would do. I thought he would might, might take another jump up. He clearly didn't. Uh, the 50 buyer last time, probably probably right for what he ran. I'm going to guess he I'm going to guess when you look back at it, he probably ran ran either high 40s or another 50. So he didn't really improve. Just not the race I thought he was going to run. For me, foot in the door, ran a good second, lost by a couple of lengths. It's just in these races, you, you try to try and beat these tough, tough Navarro favorites. And I was just on the wrong long shot. See, and he went off at 8-1. to one. It was good value to me. Obviously, the winner went off at 14-1. to one. I should have been looking a little bit higher in the odds spectrum. Yeah, the winner the winner ran a great race. Definitely probably one of his best career races. And like we talked about before, he was coming in off of a, a fourth by two and a third by four, both here at Tampa, both at this distance against similar company. So he did fit, and I th- he was just forgotten about on the board. What do you say, Vinny, we get out of the claiming ranks and go into race eight? It was the grade three endeavor going one and one sixteenth on the turf. It was the return of Got Stormy. What were your thoughts in this race? Going into this race, I thought if Got Stormy was going to lose a race this year, this was it. Uh, the race is not at her distance at all. She's over three at the distance. And clearly this grade three is not the end goal for Got Stormy, who multiple grade one winner. If she was going to lose, it was going to be today. So you kind of looked at this race more as like the prep to get her year started, a la Teppin with these same type of connections. Is that what you think for most horses when they're grade one accomplished and they're dropping into even grade twos, grade threes listed stakes, as we saw also Kofefi from last year who had trouble with the same kind of move? Yeah, uh, any I feel like anytime you see these grade one horses drop to a grade three or unlisted stake, especially coming off the layoff or like the start, the start of year. I know Godstormy was only off for about two months, but 
anytime you see that, I think it's always a it's always the time to try to beat them. Uh, usually, the connections are just trying to get a get them back into race shape and just racing them in the shape rather than just keeping them in training for an extra month. So I'm sure she was not the screws were not fully tightened today. What was the horse you ended up on? I ended up on Altia uh, for Chad Brown. Uh, Chad Brown, Rosario on the turf, just been a deadly combination the last over the last year. And I thought this one was going to get the pace set up today. Uh, she's a closer, but I did think that there was enough pace in this race that Rosario would give her right, the right trip. It's kind of interesting when you look at a horse like Altia going off it right around 10 to 1. Chad Brown, everyone's always like, it's Chad Brown's world. We're just living it. We hear that all the time at Saratoga. And this horse, you finally get a Chad Brown at 10 to 1. And, you know, obviously nobody's really playing it. Everyone's on God Stormy. I ended up on the number four, Anzina Del Sur. I thought that the price was right at 9 to 2. She's two-time grades to replace, which is what this is. A low 90 seems to be her top. So if God Stormy's going to come back down into those lower levels, it might be closer. It might only be a necker, necker and nose, but... I thought she had a really good chance of upsetting the apple cart here. So, Vinny, where did you end up wagering-wise for this race? So, here I ended up playing an exact uh, with Altia with uh, Adrena Del Sur. I agree with you on all the points that you made, uh, how she fit in this race. And then I also keyed them in an exact uh, uh, over and under Got Stormy. Uh, I, I was hoping Got Stormy was going to get beat today. But even if she was going to get beat, her finishing off the board I thought was a very big rarity. So I didn't want to lose because she split the two horses that I liked. For me, it's Andina Del Sur. Vinny has an exacta going. Let's see who won the grade three endeavor right now. And they're off and running. In the Lamb Home South Endeavor, Jehoshaphat is away quickly and reaching up for the early lead. Up on the outside, Andina Del Sur now moves up. A.A. Azula's Ark also away with a top flight and phantom opening drops back and trails the field as they pass under the wire for the first time as expected Jehoshaphat and Centeno they're calling the shots up front and have the lead by a length and a half A.A. Azula's Arch in a good spot now to be second one length farther back toward the rail and Dina Del Sur is third there's the odds on favorite got stormy she's in the two path she's only four lengths off the pace setter and she's two lengths clear a phantom opening on the outside and the trailer is Altia and Joel Rosario they'll spot them seven as they turn up the backstretch Joe's a cat will try to steal off and has the lead by three A.A. Azula's arc is on the chase second got stormy Inching up a closer third, up on the outside in the two path and toward the rail, and Dina Del Sur remains fourth. Phantom opening is fifth as they leave the half mile marker and circle the far turn. Jehoza Cat, she's had it all her own way and has the lead by four. A.A. Azula's Archer second, and now Got Stormy gets the wake up call, and Gaffleano handling her very confidently as they turn for home. Three sixteenths of a mile to run. Jehoza Cat and the gray mare cuts the corner. She's still well clear and has it by four. Got Stormy is now set down for the drive and runs up the leader second. Altia is toward the rail third. Jehoza Cat has a sixteenth of a mile to run to pull the upset. But here's Altia flying from nowhere. Jehoza Cat hangs on to take it by a head over a flying Altia. And Jehoshaphat gets it done, 35-60, 91 buyer. 
It seems like all the long shots are coming in today at Tampa, Vinny. Thoughts? Altia almost got there. What were your thoughts? Jehoshaphat just went gate to wire, and I was actually surprised at how far off from the pace Scott Stormy was. I thought Gaffleon was going to keep her a little bit closer. He gave Jehoshaphat about a five-length advantage pretty much the whole way around, and lone speed on the turf is always dangerous. It's interesting when you look at this horse's running lines. It was She was a listed stake winner. She likes Tampa, 20% turf trainer, 0 for 6 at the distance. With horses like this, when you see that, usually it ends up being something like this where they get pace 80, where they're just on the front end like that, and they just get that nice soft trip. Yeah, this one would have been a tough one to come up with uh, with this field, I think. Uh, kudos if you had her, but I, I still... If you told me this horse was going to go gate the wire and there was going to be no pressure on her, I, I would have been a little surprised. Now with Altia, did you think this was... Obviously, it was a good effort. Were you surprised at the price knowing it was Chad Brown, even with a horse like Got Stormy in the race? Not really. Uh, if you look at Altia, like she did win two back, but she's not one through you, that usually wins. 16 going into this, 16 races. She only had two wins, but she had nine place and show finishes so she's definitely an underneath horse so i see why her odds dripped up and if you look at her her past races her odds are usually like not that high, not as high as they were today but she's not a, she's very rarely the favorite got stormy off the board are you worried now about this horse or do you think that she'll come back with the screws tightened up a little bit for the next start i'm not worried that much about her because of the distance it definitely was not her distance uh, i i do think it was a weird spot even to try so i think once they cut her back to the mile distance the screws will be a little, will be tightened uh definitely not a great effort though so might be a little cause for concern but I still think she's going to be one to five next time out. And I would be surprised if she's not right there next time. What do you say, Vinny? We go into our last race of the pod race 11. It's the grade three Sam F Davis, Kentucky Derby points are on the line. They're going one and one sixteenth mile on the dirt. I know you had to have a horse in here. Who'd you like? I liked uh soul Volante. Actually. I thought the mucho macho man effort was sneaky. Good. They, you got a 90 buyer for it. Even though I'm not a big fan of the overall number, it's been a progression over the last, over the first three career starts, and I like this horse stretching out a bit. Independence Hall is kind of the Jekyll Hyde horse, back 282s with the 102 in the middle in the Nashua, so it's kind of hard to see which one shows up. What were your thoughts when he ran back to an 82? My thoughts were that I just think this horse is going to be distance limited. Uh, this is my feeling on most of the Constitution horses in this crop, that Constitution seems like he's off to being a very good sire, but I don't think he got the best of mares in this first crop. So I think a lot of this first crop, around a mile and a 16th, a mile and an eighth, you're going to see some of these horses who've had big efforts in the past come back to everybody. So I was not sold on him, especially at a short price. Ajaweed, obviously Shotsky lost last week. Didn't really see much improvement. Another one of the closers in the race, obviously, you like Sol Volante. What were your thoughts on Ajaweed? Ajaweed's pedigree, I think, is phenomenal. So he was one that was going to be on my multi-race tickets either way, uh, especially with uh, Rosario riding. He's probably the best closing jockey in the game. 
yeah, the Shotsky effort the previous weekend definitely was concerning. But I thought there was enough pace in here between uh, Premium Star and Independence Hall and uh, Chapaloo that if the pace was hot, that he could make up ground and probably get a piece. I ended up on the sixth Premier Star. It probably hurt me a little bit that John Velasquez took over for Irad. I, I have a ton of respect for John Velasquez. Uh, Jorge Navarro, obviously, coming back in. Nice bullet work after winning the allowance race. I just thought that this horse was ready to take another step forward. Independence Hall being so short, 3-5, to five, going into the gate. I just was looking for that one horse on nuts. It's been called a speed favoring track, but it's not Gulfstream speed favoring. So I was looking for that horse that I thought would be able to lay either first or second, either Independence Hall taking the lead. I thought this horse might get the lead, but I know John's a very good pace rider. What were your thoughts on Premier Star? Yeah, I thought he was going to be right near the lead, like you said. Uh, Pedigree-wise, I am a fan of the pedigree. I thought this one was going to run a big race, and one of the reasons I actually landed on Sol Volante because I felt like he could stay neck-and-neck with Independence Hall and create a speed duel scenario. For me, the one thing I didn't like, I know we talked pedigree. I love Tapature. First year sire last year, I hit a, I hit a bunch of two-year-olds. I don't think the progeny has won much past a mile. Have you seen anything? No, I haven't either. Um, and this is another one where I think he Tapature's probably on his way to being a decent sire. Probably just didn't get the probably just didn't get the right mares the uh, this first crop. So my issue with this crop with this three-year-old crop is that I think American Pharaoh ended up getting a lot of the quality mares, and that kind of hurt the other first-year stallions uh, that are in his class. So even though I think going forward, like horses like Constitution and Tapature, because they had success their freshman year, they're going to get better mares, I don't think they did this first go. I tend to agree with you there. Obviously, there's still going to be some, you know, squeaky wheels in there that will get decent mares or will get decent runners out of that first crop. What were your wagering ideas in the Sam F. Davis? I just stuck with a win bet here on uh, Sol Volante. Uh, I like this horse. Uh, he was getting some play on the board. Gave me a little more confidence. And I had a couple a couple buddies who also were on this horse. So just played a straight $10 win bet. For me, I ended up on Premier Star, playing him across the board. Let's see who gets the derby points in the Sam F. Davis right now. And they're off and running. No getting over me, Mr. Break. Independence Hall, the favorite, is away cleanly and going right to the early lead. Up on the outside, Chapaloo will move up to force the pace, and from between horses, Premier Star. He wants the lead, and they go to the clubhouse turn, three across the track, and now the early trailer is Ajuweed. They sprint around the clubhouse turn, up on the outside. That's Chapaloo now going to the lead, and toward the rail is Premier Star. Two and a half lengths farther back, Independence Hall. Ortiz takes him in hand and lets the top two go away by three. Independence Hall, and then it's a big break of about 12. No getting over me after the slow start is a distant fourth. Solo Volante is along the rail fifth. Tis right time on the outside sixth, and Ajuweed, if he wins the Sam Davis, he'll have to do it from 18 lengths off the pace. 
They leave the half mile marker. Premier Star has the lead. Chapaloo continues to badger on the outside second. Two links farther back. Independence Hall and Ortiz still has him in stout restraint. Racing along third. And then it's still a long, long ways back to no getting over me as they approach the quarter mile pole. And there he goes. Ortiz can wait no longer. Independence Hall goes to the lead and doing it on his own. Sol Volante is now charging second. On the outside, no getting over me, is trying to come back third as they turn for home. Independence Hall trying to remain undefeated. Ortiz goes to work and he still has the lead, but Sol Volante runs up the leader on the outside. We're down to two. Independence Hall, the whip is out. On the outside, Sol Volante runs by the leader. It's Sol Volante in front and going away. Independence Hall settles for second. Very tight for third. Looks like Ajoweed come from absolutely last. Gets up for third. So Volante gets it done, paid thirteen sixty ninety six buyer. Nice pick, Vinny. Thanks. Yeah, he got the trip I thought he was going to get. Uh, the race kind of played out the way I thought it was going to. One of my good moments right there. Thoughts post-race now, looking at the Triple Crown Trail. Any horses you think are off the trail or any horses that you think will now kind of stay on for another race? Um, I think the top three finishers will definitely stay on for another race. Aja Weed, I think, will definitely need to improve. Prove if they're hoping to make the derby gate he was he did get points because he finished third but very very distant third independence hall ran a huge race i uh, actually this is one of his probably his best career race uh but i think he hit that distance wall he turned for home he had a beautiful setup in front of him the pace completely collapsed and he just couldn't get it done and Silvalante looks like a horse that wants to run all day not sure if that style, though, is going to get it done in the Derby. Definitely can see this one hitting the board in a, in a few big spots uh, this year. For me, Premier Star had all the gas early, and I just don't think this horse is going to want to be on the Kentucky Derby trail anymore. Probably a good allowance type. Might win a listed stake to this year. One that I think will definitely enjoy a cutback in distance. Vinny, that's all the time we have for today. But there is one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. You and me have devised this type of head-to-head season over at the Daily Gallup. This week coming up will be week number three. What are your thoughts about it so far? I think it's gone pretty good so far. Uh, We had a couple uh, test weeks at the end of 2019. So we started the season this year following the Kentucky Derby Trail. And so far, so good through uh, two weeks. Anybody come out to you as a front runner to take down the title so far? Yeah, I think uh, Marshall so far is definitely the front runner. Uh, he's had two very big weeks to start the the start the season, and hopefully he can keep it up. It would be it would be cool to see somebody go go like five or six weeks without losing a game. It's definitely a bunch of handicappers that take their craft serious. Obviously, Marshall Sterling, the Twitter horse racing weatherman. Good luck to you, Marshall, the rest of the way. Vinny, thanks a ton for coming on. Thanks again for doing this podcast twice for me. Hopefully it was as good the first time as it was the second time. Where can people find you on social media? I am at uh, Picks by Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, I also at Vinny Blonde on Twitter. I have my own personal Twitter. Uh, Yeah, and the Daily Gallup. Vinny's got his three-year-old list up. He's got a bunch of different cool stuff going on. Always ready to talk racing. Thanks again, Vinny, for spending the time with me tonight. 
No problem, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all of our great fans for listening to this show and my special guest, Vinny Blonde. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time.